As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Welcome to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM. You are listening to us either live over the radio waves or most likely over a podcast website or um, I'd say the third option is maybe through CFRU's own uh, archive service, which is okay. It's functional. You can download stuff and you can click on things. Uh, I am Jack and... We've got I'm Joel. We've got Joel here. How I'm you doing, really Joel? excited. Uh, super excited because uh, the CFRU AGM is coming up. I know. I, I see those emails, and I just can't contain my excitement about AGM yeah, for CFRU. I can't wait to to hear about the future of CFRU. <laughs> <laughs> the future is mm, maybe bright is harsh, yeah. or uh, but maybe it's like it's. No, I think it's bang on. <laughs> I, I think the future is CFRU has a future. Uh, what type of future is a better question? But well, we are we are the future of CFRU. The future. <laughs> Android's dungeon is going to bring CFRU out of the dark ages. We're going to make CFRU great again. That's the way I'm seeing it. Into the light. Into the light. Go into the light, CFRU. Uh <laughs> oh! Don't go into the light. Wait, which one are we doing? Does going into the light make bring them back, or send them? I don't know. Uh, Android's Engine is a show about books, movies, games, music, and especially uh, tabletop games. And every episode, same question. Joel, what have you been playing recently? Uh, well, I played with you a really interesting game at 18 mechs, but I think I'll start off with Let's save Tiny, Epic, one. Tiny Epic Galaxies. Okay, so you had this out at the cottage a little while ago. Uh, yeah. Did you get to play play it? Yeah, I got to play play it. I was taught uh, by Robin, which he's here in Guelph for a few days, and it was a lot of fun. Um, Tiny Epic Galaxies is a tiny game in a tiny epic series. Do you know about it? I know the series. Uh, I don't know much about it beyond it's it's trying to take some of these bigger concept games and condense them into like something that could be carried in your uh, your back, or, like in a little bag with you. Yeah, exactly. So Tiny Epic Galaxies, what do you think it would be? Roll for the Galaxy? Sure, that or like um, uh, Masters of Orion or Twilight Imperium or something like that. Now, I also at the same time learned, but didn't play Tiny Epic Dinosaurs. And oh, I, didn't know that one really, I was really getting some familiar vibes there of a game that you have. Do you want to guess what that is? Was it Stone Age or I don't know? <laughs> no, it's uh, it's about raising and feeding dinosaurs, <laughs> and they can get up to some kind of shenanigans if you're not careful. So is this a Dungeon Pets ripoff? Then it was hundred percent Dungeon Pets. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Interesting. And it was adorable. <laughs> uh, and I got a T Rex, which is like a special purple dinosaur. Okay. Uh, in like the tra- in the learning thing. Yeah. And instead of having to feed it, you can just uh, feed it one of the other dinosaurs. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> well, I guess it's cute, you know. Poor little Stegosaurus got. So, is this, are you are you running like a Jurassic Park theme park, or is this meant to be your caveman or something? Yeah, you are. Uh, I don't know, park rangers or something like that. Oh, okay. You're sending your workers out, and you have a grande, you know. So it's like hints of viticulture there. You know, you can place anywhere, and then the grande can go somewhere, um, and it counts as two too. So if you place a grande there, someone else can still place their worker on it talking about interesting concepts of worker placements you can still go there but it's going to cost you three workers uh so you can could you always dump more workers down or is that just when the grande is there that you can put extra guys yeah if you need a spot you can put two guys down on a spot or the grande Mm -hmm. um or if there's a grande there then you have to pay three Interesting. And is this a like a winner take all thing? So if I put, let's say, I start by putting down my grande, and you put three guys down, am I bumped off, or do I not? Oh, get that no, it's just it's just instant gratification. Everything gets you a thing uh, right I away. I see. So there's no resolution Although, phase. There could be a thing where it's like you take the go first, and then someone takes the go first back from you. Okay. Well, let's go back to Tiny Epic Galaxies because that's the one I think I hear the most positive stuff about. Yeah, um, who was it? Was it John or someone was talking about it? No, it was David Kroll. I think uh, oh, I yeah. he was posting about that. Well, I, I don't know why I said his full name, but it's all right. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> David Grohl. Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters. <laughs> the Foo Fighters. He's a big fan of Tiny Epic Galaxy. <laughs> Little known fact, but ex-Nirvana drummer, Dave Grohl. But uh, tell us about Tiny Epic Galaxies. Well, it's a game for one to four, and usually, you know, games will throw in a solo variant. Uh, but this one is actually really well fleshed out. Uh, the weight is like 2.1 out of five, so, you know, you can probably swing in a game maybe 15, 20 minutes. Oh, that's and, quick. Yeah, and it's in a tiny box. You get it out. The setup's probably 40 seconds. You know, you deal out uh, the amount of players times two, I think, of planets, which are just cards. Uh, and then everybody takes uh, a color. I think there's, uh, well, there's four different colors, obviously, because there's four players. Uh, and then you start with two of the ships. And then if you do upgrades, you can unlock lock an additional two, up to four ships. And these ships are sort of the way you'll get um, currencies. The currencies are energy, culture, and you can also send the ships out to different planets. and go along the colonizing track, and if you make it all the way through the colonizing track, you get that planet. That's going to give you some victory points. Mm -hmm. And also at the bottom, there'll be an action, which you can then uh, choose to use instead of your base action, which everybody gets, when you roll a certain die. So the Mm -hmm. game works just like Roll for the Galaxy or something like that. You roll all the dice, and then um, you start placing your cube, the cubes onto an activation bay in whatever order you want. At any point, you get one free reroll, but you have to reroll everything. So anything that you haven't activated already. Um, and then after that, you can spend one of your energy to do another reroll, which is great if you want something specific. Also, anytime somebody activates a cube, uh, one of the dice and does one of the actions, you can spend one of your culture to copy it. Do the exact same thing. It's not yeah. like other ones where like you fall around, but it's not as good. Yeah, you just have to spend your culture in order to do it. So the dice are either gaining energy or gaining culture, or doing one of the actions on your board, 
or upgrading or one of the two colonizing, which is like a sort of like a UN kind of colonizing or yeah. economic colonizing where you get stonks. Stonks. <laughs> uh, and that's basically it. Basically, you're going to... Oh, and there's also launch, which is super important. Sorry. You t when you get a launch, you can move your ship and just place it on a planet, take the action immediately, or you can begin to rotate around the planet, which puts you on that kind of colonizing track. First, sorry. sorry, go on. No, no, I was just going to say, it's uh, so it seems to me, and like I saw a little of it, this switch when you were playing it or trying it out for the first time, I guess, um, but it, it seemed to me heavier on the role for the galaxy style than maybe a condensed, like... Um, I don't know, like um, like Gaia Project or Twilight Imperium oh, or yeah, Space yeah. Empires, because it's it's heavily based on dice and kind of picking which ones and like maybe re-rolling a couple dice and trying to maximize these randomized actions to the best of your abilities. Yeah, it's definitely like a kind of deal with what you've got mixed with a bit of pusher luck if you want to keep rolling. Yeah, um, it is really pretty easy to get energy. Uh, one of the weird things is that, like, let's say you're on a cultural planet, that's going to get you culture when that's rolled. If somebody else um, chooses culture, you can follow, and it'll cost you a culture. Mm -hmm. But if you're on more than one cultural planet, you're going to gain more than one. So there's no reason not to follow. It's like, well, I spend one culture to gain two. Yeah. If you're on three cultural planets, you're gaining three. Like, it's it's a no-brainer, right? Yeah. So overall, was this so you played it with two players? Yeah, we played it two player. It's good. Yeah. I think the uh, the game ends by the first person to hit sixteen or nineteen victory points ends the game, and then you count them up. You finish the round. Mm -hmm. Classic uh, sort of Euro game. Finish the round. See who has the highest score. Tiebreaker goes to the person with the most uh, most planets. Uh, you also get some victory points on this upgrade track, which is super important. I don't know if you've seen one of the cards. But uh, you can spend between, uh, I think, uh, four and... Oh, no, sorry. What's the thing? Yeah, four between four and seven of energy or culture. And then you move up on the upgrade track, which allows you to roll more dice and get more ships. And there's also victory points associated with that. All right. Well, without you know diving too deep into the the rule stru structure here, I think anyone who's been listening can kind of get an idea of what what's going on or kind of the gameplay loop. But the bigger question is like, who would this appeal to, and would you recommend it to people? Because again, I think it's it's very. I, I don't think the price tag is too high on these games, and the components seem pretty nice, but they're not like they're not going to knock you down. But what's the what would you say the point of this, of the series is? And who who do you think this is going to put a smile on people's faces of? Well, they're cheap, <laughs> so it'd be a good Christmas present. Mm. Um, it's not going to blow any uh, sort of like collectors' minds, although it would be like a nice little warm-up game to add. Mm -hmm. If you wanted something a little more thoughtful, I think it's got kind of like a bit more meat than a lot of the warm-up games we play. Mm -hmm. um, I will say that uh, Jason and Katie played it, and couldn't follow along. I thought it was too complicated. And, and was it? <laughs> was it like just that time of the night, or they were most likely under the influence? Yeah. Okay. 
But um, yeah, I mean, it's what I'm saying is it's not the lightest of games. Like, it looks light and it is fast, but there are still like, you know, there's a booklet of rules, not a couple pages. Mm-hmm. So you know, keep that in mind. And yeah, I would probably call it a light medium. And anybody that uh, is just looking to to goof around for a bit, you don't necessarily have to be. Um, an expert on games. Okay. Uh, and then the final question is, would you, would you recommend it? Mm, yeah, you know, I think I would like hesitantly recommend it. Okay. No, but why the hesitating? Uh, well, it's just that like, it's a fun game, but I don't know like how enthusiastic I am to get it out. You know, just like, mm-hmm. Hey, you guys want to try type it, tiny epic galaxies more like, well, it'll do. Yeah, it's it's uh, mobile. <laughs> you bring it on a trip. I guess that's one of the the the, the tougher things about certain games of a certain weight. And it, it feels to me, based on your description, that Tiny Epic Galaxies kind of falls in this weird middle ground where it's like it's just heavy enough that it might give you it gives you pause. So let's say it's like if you're you just finished dinner or something with some friends and you want to play a game you look like a couple of games immediately come to mind something like that's something light and simple kind of like splendor las vegas like las vegas is super simple las vegas is like shouldn't should not even be a second thought as far as like what do you want to do type thing but uh it, it seems like tiny epic galaxies might be in this awkward middle ground where it's not heavy enough to be worth your time but it's too heavy for like when I say not worth your time, I mean to spend the time really getting invested in it. Like mm-hmm. when you could be playing a bigger game, uh, but it's also too heavy to just kind of drop on the table, like after uh, dinner or before dinner, uh, with people who that don't know how to play. Totally, I think it, it, you know it kind of reminds me of is Pictomania. Ah, <laughs> you know, it's like well, this is a simple enough game. And we could play it, but uh, like Victoria's sisters here. And- <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm still gonna try to get Pictomania out again. It's, uh, it's I, I still had a good time despite it being insanely difficult, uh, yeah. but just slightly confusing. But all right, yeah. cool. Tiny Epic Galaxies. And what, what do you think yeah. it sells for? Uh, twenty-two bucks probably. Twenty-four ninety is saying on the eligible for Super Saver shipping from from Amazon. Oh, that's on Amazon. Wow, interesting. Cool. Well, that's nothing. But, uh, yeah, not bad. Pick it up if you want to. Don't. Yeah. I won't get upset either way. <laughs> <laughs> You're not hurting anyone's feelings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what have you been playing lately? Um, the again, I we have a game that we've shared, so we'll we'll get into that in a second. But the the one that I've been playing in, so if I've if I've been on the computer, um, there i just want to give a quick shout out to uh this website called alpha beta gamer um i think that's it alpha beta yeah, yeah yeah which it reminds me of the days when i was growing up how you'd be like checking a couple websites because they always had new games on it and they were a mix of free games and stuff that were just passion projects this website's really cool because it's a bunch of indie games that most of them are in alpha some of them are in beta can you believe it uh, but most of them are just kind of works in project or people kind of figuring things out. But they all feel like passion projects and they're a varying levels of commitment and skill. Um, but there's really cool stuff on there that I have. It's refreshing to see people kind of coming up with neat ways to make cool games of different styles that they've been influenced by. But 
there have been some uh, a bunch of things that I, I don't want to quite get into because it's too early in the release. And, you know, I, I hate early access stuff in the sense of not necessarily just because I, I hate paying for something that's not done. But mm -hmm. I don't like seeing something that's not done and kind of being like, oh, I wish there was more or being disenchanted by this early product and going, oh, I don't ever want to look at the finished one. And then you come back like years later. So, oh, no, the finished product's great. Well, why did they release a shitty uh, alpha version of it that nobody likes? But uh, what was the thing that Kickstarter recently made illegal uh, to kind of cut, cut back on scams? The, this was a while ago. I don't know if we're talking about the same things. Yeah, 3D renditions of stuff, yeah. which I'm not totally sure what that is accomplishing like just maybe to stop miniature scams or like these weird circuit uh, engineering scams of products they have to prove that they actually have a thing yeah i think that's and what they're just like they just didn't do some work in cad it, yeah exactly like just whipping something up on blender or cad and calling it like it could be it could be yeah. so but anyway the only reason i bring up off bay gamer is because uh, I did play something recently I downloaded off there and they've got everything broken into nice tags so you can search uh, by different themes if you like and one of them was this game called, uh, let me just look to my desktop. Uh, I think I, I already got rid of the icon because it's very short. Uh, a Place Forbidden. That's what it's called. Mm. And, uh, and it's a, a very short little um, first-person lo-fi uh, horror game uh, where you're, you, your character just kind of wakes up in this weird library and you're kind of moving around trying to piece together this little mystery, but it's got this aesthetic that I just absolutely love, which is the low poly, um, very uh, grainy uh, PS1 sort of graphics. And um, it, what's really neat though, is that you have that aesthetic, but the, the technological ad uh, advancements are so big now that you can have that aesthetic, but you can do way more with it than you could have back in, let's say like 1995, 1996, when, like you were, this was your limitation and you had to work within it. So you have people kind of playing around with these more abstract, stylized models and images, and also having the benefits of the modern day sound effects and programming skills and little and tricks that basically the, oh, cool. the, your creativity is the limit. So without getting into it, it's, it's pretty short. Uh, I did have to look up a hint for one puzzle because I found it a little opaque, uh, what they were looking for. And I kind of kicked myself afterward because. I think it's, it was just being lazy and I could have figured it out, but little things here and there might grind on you, but it's actually got two endings, one of which that uh, you'll really have to work hard to find. But overall, check out the website, Alpha Beta Gamer, uh, and uh, a place for get forbidden. You can get it off of Steam, I think, uh, absolutely free, and uh, you can give it a shot. But aside from that, it's I've been really uh, hooked on Divinity Original Sin 2, which has been out for oh, yeah. a bit. And this is and, the one that Curtis and Mark played together? Yeah, so Curtis and Mark played it, and they were playing at co-op, which might have been pretty fun. Although, based on how I'm playing it, I think people would be very frustrated trying to play the game with me <laughs> in co-op because it's... <laughs> You're I doing think, the evil character? Not even. It's just I think we have very different play styles, and maybe the OCD, I can't leave anything behind. Can't leave anything behind. Oh, God, I style. got it. Not me. <laughs> which, yeah, because I just... If I see something I can't get to, it's like... I'd be very bad Twitch streamer for something like that because I'd sit there just fumbling around for an hour trying to figure out what's well, going maybe on. Maybe it'd here. be like kind of like a fresh approach people would watch. Maybe just, just frustrated. It's <laughs> <laughs> possible. So anyway, I don't want to go too far into it, but um, I think my problem is that it has a very slow start, and uh, I find it the game was extremely difficult at the beginning because uh, getting gear is so important in Divinity because it acts as defense both for magic attacks and physical attacks. 
And when you don't have any good gear, you're just taking pure HP damage, and your HP pool is so small at the beginning, and your skill pool is so small that it can be... You, you just don't really know what you're doing, and it can be a, a grind. And XP is very difficult to come by unless you really know what you're doing. And uh, so anyway, I've, I'm in the groove now. I've got tons of good... Um, uh, equipment on the guys as far as I know and I just beat this skeleton pirate which will tie into something later and mm. uh, you get his equipment set which gives you a permanent uh, charm effect so whenever you're um, in melee range to uh, enemies and they have uh, no magical uh, defense anymore you insta charm them and then they just uh, hey, hey. they're on your team which is great so anyway I'm looking forward to that awesome. but divinity highly recommend it it's got a slow start but after that, I think uh, it, it bodes well for Baldur's Gate 3. That's all I'm going to yeah, say. Yeah, the same team, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be great. So hopefully they and don't yeah, screw it up. Baldur's Gate and, and Cyberpunk, I'm actually December 9th. as far as we know. Is it December 9th? December 9th, until they delay it again. because they delayed. Everyone's worried, Joel. Everyone's really worried. Close. They can't delay it now. It's like a week away. Uh, I think uh, they released some gameplay footage that I think people were uh, kind of eviscerating. It just didn't look very tight, but uh -oh. there's going to be a giant day one patch probably for the game. So it'll be like The Witcher 3, just like constant updates and patches for until... But at least they're giving it attention, right? Mm. Let's hope, right? So, And I mean, it, it was pretty successful because like, yeah, they're patching it, patching it, patching it, and then The Witcher show comes out and they sell another million copies. Yeah, <laughs> Is that how many they sold? Like they sold... Uh... Oh, no idea. <laughs> Yeah, but talk about good publicity, right? Like it's the mature equivalent of like selling having a toy and then putting a cartoon out to sell the toy, like uh, He Man style or uh, oh yeah, some of those other things. Uh, all right, well let's take a quick break here, and um, when we come back, we're going to talk about um, why don't we talk about eighteen mechs since that's something we can both have a good chat about. So stay tuned. Mm -hmm. Playing our song again 
is yellow silver Or the things that summer brings It's a love you'd kill for And all the world is green He's balancing a diamond On a blade of grass The two will settle Balancing a diamond on a blade of grass, the dew will settle on our graves when all the world is green. Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was a track from Tom Waits uh, that, thanks to Joel, just uh, remembered what it was, which is uh, from the album uh, Blood Money. All the World is Green. All the World is Green, Mm. which uh, is very, you know, for a 2002 Tom Waits song, it's got everything you want. And and I forget how good Blood Money is because it's got, Mm -hmm. you, you look through the track list like, oh, that was on that? Oh, that was on that? Oh, this is a really good album. And I can't think of a single bad Tom Waits album. There's some I don't prefer as much, but... uh, Sometimes he goes off the deep end. Yeah, some of them are a little (laughs) crazier, and some of them are a little more laid back, some of them are jazzier, and so on. So, Yeah, talented Uh, musician. Extremely talented. Uh, So, Joel and I got to play um, the, the newest entry to us, for us, excuse me, to in the 18XX series, 18 Mex, M-E-X. And if you can believe it, it is set in Mexico in the 19th century, and you're taking on the role of a rail baron. And uh, Joel, why don't you uh, give me your thoughts on 18 Mex? You boys like Mexico. Did you ever watch uh, Super Troopers? No, I never saw. I missed that no. one completely. Oh, that's totally lost on you. I think uh, they pull over some kids for doing drugs, 
Is that the one that eats a bag of weed? Or? Yeah, he eats a bag of weed. So they're freaking out, and then they the cops come and they mess with him, right? And yeah. One cop breaks into the car and drives off, pretends he's going to drive him down to Mexico. And he's like, <laughs> you boys like Mexico? <laughs> <laughs> And before we start on 18 Max, uh, I just wanted to say The Witcher in December of 2019 had a 554% increase in sales. 554%. What a boost. And they sold over 28 million copies. That's a very well-selling game. Yeah, I'd say The Witcher 3 is done all right. Uh, Actually, why don't, before we get into it, why don't I just do a quick rundown of the, the differences? So, sorry, Joel. The, so, 18xx, we've talked about it on the show a fair bit. Um, for those who don't know, 18 mechs is one of these uh, games that is in a series of trail, uh, trail, train baroning, which is where you are taking on the role of a, a very wealthy person who is starting up rail companies and running them and making money and handling how they um, pay out dividends or withhold. And how this is handled is with this abstract version of a stock market, and you have a map that you're laying tiles, and you lay these tiles, and you connect the different spots on the map, and you purchase trains that let you run for a set number of stops based on the quality of the train. Each stop you go to gives you a certain amount of money, and you can decide whether to give that money to shareholders, and each company has 10 shares, uh, or yeah, 10 shares that are available for everyone. And uh, anyone who's got a share gets 10% of whatever you pay out. So, for example, if you run a stop that's worth 10 bucks, everyone gets a dollar who has a, sh- a share. So if you have two shares, you get $2 and so on. Uh, 18 Mex follows in the, the footsteps of 1830, which is kind of the granddaddy of them all. 1829 technically became first, but nobody really talks about that for some reason. So 1830 is the one everyone refers to. And by that, we mean it's got a stock market. If you sell, it drops for every share that's sold. If you withhold, it goes left. Uh, if you float a company, it's full capitalization, which means that whatever number you par the stock at, you get exactly that times 10 into your coffers to play with. Big money. Big money. And uh, there's a train rust system uh, where every there are certain phases. Greens don't come out to the threes. Reds don't come out to the fives or fours. I could be wrong. And uh, but there are a bunch of little subtleties to it in that you the little towns that normally stop you in 1830 don't stop you in 18 max. And you want to encourage your trains to go through as many of those as possible when you're calculating your routes since they don't affect the number of stops. Um, The fours don't immediately rust. And we'll get into that in a second. Um, And uh, there are uh, little things involving the uh, the National Mexican Railway railway that you can't actually start until. Uh, I'd say about the mid game and uh, a few little changes here and there, but it, there, it is a bit of a copy and paste of 1830 in some regards with certain styles of company and how, privates and companies and how they do. But the changes are a lot more dramatic when you understand how the games work as a system and you sit down and play them. So I'm sure I'm missing a couple of things here, but, uh, and if Joel, if you think of them, just feel free to just throw them in there, but what describe your experience with 18 max. Well, yeah, I think you got almost all of it except for, you know, in 1830, you don't have any of these little mini companies, these little uh, miners, yeah, minor companies, which is something you can just buy at the beginning and they'll just make you a little bit of money until they run out. Uh, But yeah, I think this is just like a shorter, quicker, cleaner version of 1830. And 1830 still has values. I'm still going to play it, I'm sure. But I would still say that this. this game, which 
you know, is a map of Mexico and not a map of sort of like northern U.S. and southern Canada. How far? How far up does 1830 go? Like uh, Hudson's Bay kind of area. Uh, southern Southern Ontario, and yeah. uh, I think there's I, Ottawa in there too. I'm not sure. And I don't think any Western Canada gets touched. Yeah, I know. So the map of Mexico, uh, interesting map. Like, obviously, you still got like a central location in 1830. It's New York. In this one, it's Mexico City. Mm -hmm. Uh, It does make the most money. I think it gets up to 80 when it's fully updated. Uh, Everywhere else around it, it's still fairly lucrative, though. You can still make some routes that are going to make you a good amount of money, even if you can't get to Mexico City. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you you want to be getting to Mexico City, but I, there's nothing stopping you from making tons of money in this one. And this might interest you. Michael is a big critic of uh, 18xx games. You know, he's got the same idea as John is that like when you kind of get to the end of the game, you're like, oh, do I really have to do all these calculations? You've got why or somebody in there telling you well you could make an extra ten dollars you take this route and you go here here mm-hmm. here make these seven stops or these eight stops right mm-hmm. and i and he heard our description of so like our post-mortem of the game and it kind of made him want to play not just the game itself which obviously there are a lot of aspects of 18 max which are appealing to somebody that doesn't like those like things that drag on but there is also the 18xx.games, which was huge. And we can't talk about our experience without talking about that, right? Absolutely. So it, it, what Joel's mentioning is a website. And I've, I posted the WW part. And I'm not, I, Joel might be able to answer this more. That I don't think you need to type WWW ever. Is there not any more? There's uh, no there reason. Are some, basically, like if you're a smart, if you're a smart website, it will auto-resolve mm-hmm. if it needs it or it doesn't need it. And a dumb website will, like a poorly designed website, will say, "Oh, sorry, lost back. Please put in the www." The reason I wrote www is just so that it would actually become a hyperlink when I was posting it, because yeah. uh, it's not going to turn into it otherwise. But anyway, eighteen xx dot games dot games yep. is a site that I've I've stared at for a while, and I think initially it just had a very limited selection in the sense of yeah. it had a couple of games like eighteen seventeen. Uh, and I think 1889 or 82, I forget which one's Sh- Shikoku. Um, but there are games that it was like, oh, I'm interested in, but 1817 in particular is gigantic, and you're not hopping into that without knowing what you're doing. Um, yeah. But I, I did the tutorial a little while ago, and it looked good, and then I noticed I had 18 mechs on there, and I think, okay, let's give it a shot. And it is, it's, it's exactly what I was, I've been looking for, mostly um, with... Uh, for an online implementation of 18xx and it's free which makes it even cooler this is just a passion project by uh people who are dedicated to this hobby yeah and it's it's the best thing about i think and we're talking about like what are the reasons why michael would play one is it saves your previously run route yeah so if there's a change you make you just make one little adjustment here there oh is this city more valuable you you get an extra small town you can run through you just make one change instead of having to rerun your entire route and say oh where do i go where do i go um and then the second thing is actually built into the game itself and that is the 4d train which i think is just brilliant instead of giving you a diesel train which can go unlimited and you have to like be like okay i can go anywhere i want 
where can I lay a track and then go, you know, six stops, seven stops, 10 stops, calculate them all. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, you just go four stops and you say, well, that's good. Four stops. Anybody can calculate that. Yep. And then you just double the money. It, it's it, and it, it they're, they're, the 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 profits are way fatter too. <laughs> so it's like you, for example, the uh, the one guy Y was making seven hundred and forty dollars a run. Now yeah. he had two trains, didn't he? It wasn't just yeah. the one diesel. It was like three hundred four hundred. Three hundred four hundred, and to, I guess like I was making four or something with the one diesel as well. So it, it's. But if the bottom line is that it just it's cleaner, it feels nicer too. It's like somebody dropping a giant juicy steak on your plate, and you get to you cut that up and give it to your 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 shareholders, as opposed to like having to like assemble various pieces of a meal and and then add them all together and serve them into little pieces to people. It just speeds up the game in ways you can't imagine and satisfying too. Yeah, and unlike in 1830, where uh, early companies are basically like good for half the game and then they're practically dumped and they either get dumped or they get uh somebody gets footed with a hundred eight hundred dollar bill or something like yeah, that yeah in 18 max they find ways to get the company money even if you're paying out all the time you've still got this like special little mail route where mm-hmm. you you get your starting cities money which for the national company could be 80 dollars if it's fully upgraded right yeah yeah and um, and on top of that, obviously, shares that go into the bank are still paying you, and uh, you get lots of options basically for uh, for for getting that cash. And also, it encourages you to run a company well because if you manage to get a company to 200 share value, which nobody even came close to in our game, but I'm sure mm-hmm. it's possible, you should end the game. And if you end the game and you're the only company with the best valued shares. You're probably got a good shot at winning. Well, so. I should I should say I got to play it the day before too with a uh, uh, friend of the show, Mark, and his girlfriend and uh, Kayla, and that's how our game ended. Was that the? Oh yeah. The it was actually the Mexican uh, railway made it to 200. And that was one of the errors. We started it too early, but at the same time, nobody affected in any way. Like nobody sold off because uh, they didn't want to. But that's how the game ended. It was ridiculously early. As far as I was concerned, because I don't even think we hit the uh, brown tiles. Yeah, um, I suppose anybody in a stock round could sell a share and drop the value of a company just to keep the game going. Just to keep it going if they're behind. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, like Joel was saying, there's a there's a very clear way to end the game that's not just a bank break or a player bankruptcy. And I think a player bankruptcy in this one, you'd have to be doing very, excuse me, very very poorly for that the game for the game to end because uh, you couldn't afford to pay for stuff. So. Um, that's kind of another refreshing part of about 18 max. And also the bank pool feels just the right size. Um, it never felt like, and I, and I did make comment about this when we were playing that I feel like in 1830, the bank pool doesn't really move until the last couple of ORs Mm -hmm. when it actually kind of disappears. Whereas in this one, it felt like it was declining because the trains aren't that expensive. The trains are relatively cheap, especially for a game with full capitalization. And even though you can't parse something, train is only seven hundred dollars. Only seven hundred bucks, which is the opposite of let's say in eighteen thirty, your best train is going to cost you eleven hundred dollars. So a huge gap there. And like Joel, you were saying, you're getting income through these mail contracts. And if you've got, let's say, the New Mexico National Railway, you're making eighty dollars a turn if you've got that fully upgraded on your mail contract, which is yeah. like it's it's wild. That's like a partial withhold every time. So 
it's very difficult not to afford a train or be stuck in that position. And I did have to pay out of pocket a little bit for the diesel in my one company, which wasn't great, wasn't horrible. Um, but I think the diesel in this game feels even more important to have than the other ones. And mm -hmm. uh, if you can afford it, you, it's worth, I would say, if I could do anything differently, I would have withheld uh, another once or twice yeah. just to have diesels in other companies and just like go yeah, nuts. Train, like, or sold the diesel like, to the other one. 60% of $700 is a lot of money. Yep. So um, you've, you've mentioned the national company a couple of times, but tell us what is national company? When can you uh, start? floating it so the the mexican national railway bleh, i feel like i'm talking no there's kind of speech impedimenting here but the mexican national railway is a company that uh, is like the bno in 1830 insofar as that one of the privates gives you immediately the presidency share of it unlike the bno is that um and similar to bno in the sense like it closes as soon as it buys its first train but unlike the bno you can't float the uh, Mexican National until phase three and a half, which means five of the three trains have been sold. Yep. And um, after that happens, uh, you can float it, and then there's another phase change, I think, after the second four train is bought, and that's when a merger can happen. So if the Mexican National Railway has been floated, and that uh, next phase is started with the four trains, what happens is the person to the left of the person that bought that four train uh, gets given the option of, do you want to merge with the Mexican National? Yes, no. And if they say yes, uh, their company is basically folded and uh, everyone who owns shares of it uh, gets sold for 50% to the market. And the person who started the merger trades in their presidency share for 10% share in the NDM. And uh, I think everyone's a little confused as to the viability of that. But I think if you have a really good company, you don't want to merge. If you've got a terrible company, it's a great deal. Because you're probably trading for, uh, you're, 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 especially depending on how many shares you have in it, I think you can be screwing over everyone else by giving, taking 50% uh, of their profits away and they don't get anything. And you also get a share in a company that's probably going to be doing better, but depending on how well it's going. But just another neat little mechanic there. And they also start in Mexico City, so they've got immediate access to the most profitable stop in town. So, yeah. And I mean, the way that you describe it with like phase three and a half and four trains, X, X amount of three it's, trains. It's a little confusing. <laughs> sounds complicated, but it's not actually that complicated. Just know that at some point in the game, Jack's going to tell you, okay, you can float this company now. And yeah. somebody is going to have two shares of it because they're going to be the ones that, uh, that like invested in that early on. And they're going to have very little money at the beginning, but then, you know, they're going to have one of the best companies coming into the end. Yeah, and it's just another little wrinkle into this formula that makes 18 Max so interesting. And I, I really think, based on how cleanly it played, and both in person with the physical copy from All Aboard Games and uh, the superb implementation by 18xx.games, it's it's a no-brainer. It It's just such a... I, I, I don't want to say an entry-level game, because I think it's just confusing enough to it, it mystify someone who's totally alien to it. But I think what it, it, it lacks in simplicity compared to something as clean, in quotation marks, as 1830, I think it more than makes up for in, in brevity and um, dynamism. Because yeah. I don't think you could... In 1830, if you start the CPR at the beginning, I think you're going to be in a rough go, or the CNO. In this one, I don't think there's any company you could start out from the beginning and not really have a fair shake at things. 
yeah. or at least the opportunity to do it. I think totally you could par it too low, perhaps, and maybe not be happy or par too high. And uh, I, I don't know. You, you could mess up, but yeah, it, it just doesn't feel as fragile, in my opinion. All right, here's an in-game question for you. And yeah, I totally agree with you before we go any further. Uh, I would say that this game is kind of like almost a step backwards for people that already play 18xx. It's not an intro game because there's a lot of complicated elements that they've thrown in, like the National Railway and yeah. the minor companies. And, uh, you know, the stock market is pretty simple compared to some of them. But for the most part, there are a lot of niceties. But I will say that, like, having played 1830 and 56 and 60 and 46, 46 max, <laughs> coming to this one feels like you're playing, like, like 18xx junior but like not in like a this is stupid kind of way like it is a lot more fun and it's a lot quicker and it's like why can't all of the 18xx games be this clean yeah yeah that's an interesting way to put it i don't know if i I agree with the word junior but i think just like the i I think another way to put it is maybe um express (laughs) express that's yeah i prefer that because it is faster and I think it's part of that is just because it's, it just feels clean in 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 that there, it doesn't feel like there are pointless uh, slowdowns or interruptions. The beginning feels quick enough. The train rush feels quick. The end of the game doesn't drag, like, even though I'd say the last couple of rounds we were just hitting like go, 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 go. So theoretically, we could have spreadsheeted maybe the last two R's, which is considering how drawn out yeah. some of these games can be. That's nothing. That's Which we really did in the last one, right? We just yeah. Clicked in- numbers go which was cool two in-game questions one do you think that being limited to one train per turn makes the game more friendly um because you know you couldn't like buy up the last three and buy the four and and somebody gets stuck i don't i don't know about that joel because i think it adds it it's it's harder than being able to buy as many trains as you want and so like that's another thing so what Joel is mentioning is that in 18 Max, for the first, um, until I believe is it phase three and a half, or maybe it's the four train thing, but I think it's three and a half, um, you, you're limited to one train by a turn. And I was thinking about that actually today because I think it's a really neat balancing act where you, if you're really good at this, you have to think about how many trains is so and so going to buy? Are they going to hold off? Are they yeah. going to, and if they buy it, and then this person buys one because they have to. Let's say they start a new company. Then you know maybe you have first dibs on picking up a four train or a five train. But I think yeah. there's the strategy is not necessarily gobbling up every train you can, but maybe thinking about when to hold off buying a train and then letting somebody else do it so you can be like for, theoretically first crack at uh, buying a really good one. So is it friendlier? I don't think so. I think it's actually meaner in a subtler way because yeah. it's 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 easier to, pre- easier to predict and less likely to get in trouble with stocks uh, in mechs yeah because you know like you know when you are guaranteed like a round before uh before you're gonna see a company rust so like if you have stocks in that company you're like, oh, hey, yeah, the- i'm okay to hold these for another Oh, yeah, wow. for the for the for a company holding a four train, so that's something else. So, like we said, yeah. there there's an it, there's a rule in eighteen max that fours uh you get one round with them, whereas in eighteen thirty they'd be gone immediately. And I think because why I kept saying, oh, the hardcore players play with immediate resting, and I saw that and I thought it doesn't make sense to me because to me that just feels like punishing somebody 
for having for even buying a four train at all, which is punishing somebody for making the game move on. Because if you're punishing people for buying a four train that immediately rusts because somebody else immediately buys another four and then somebody else buys it or so and so, it, it just strikes me as um, maybe inelegant when the rest of the game feels very elegant. And yeah. um, it, but who knows? It's we've only played it uh, I'd say properly uh, once and we're still learning. Um, yeah. But I like over, that part. Yeah. Uh, okay. One more question. If we have time, do we have time? Yeah. Yeah. We got time. All right, um, the NDM, the National Train of Mexico. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the Presidente share comes with the private. Uh, they're starting with probably nine hundred dollars plus the money that they get from the merger, right? Which, like, who mm-hmm. knows? It'll be a crap company, but hopefully, it's at least two hundred or three hundred bucks. Yeah, and the trains from that company, if there's anything decent. Well, it's. Yeah, who knows, right? That, yeah, people are probably dumping their crap companies, but you know, it's probably something yeah. that might run at least once. Yeah, yeah, especially with the company coming in at a decent value. Yeah. Um, should the NDM always buy a second train, second permanent? You know, as, as soon as you start this, this that question, I could almost think about where they're going, and I think yes. They they should buy depending on what train they get they're they're given. I think they should definitely buy another one. But they should almost be, um, I, and maybe this goes for any company in the game, but especially the NDM, if they've got the cash, I'd say uh, never going below 700 hmm. and, or always being prepared to be able to buy. 700 cash, so they're ready for the 40. So they're ready, ready for the 40 when it shows up. Why not? And, and, yeah. and using, cause, or maybe just if you have two companies, ideally, you have one that's just uh, maybe... Uh, the one that's could be used as like uh, the one to buy the company. The thing is like, but they NDM, didn't predict that, right? They put in a rule that it has to yeah. be bought at face value. Yeah, yeah. So it, it makes it trickier with the NDM, but maybe with two other companies, just making sure that there's always you can just play some games if there's one very profitable, and you kind of start selling this moving trains around a bit more. But yeah, like Joel was saying, the NDM always has to buy and sell stuff at face value to stop you from just. Uh, <laughs> buying up like a 7D or 4D it's not 1830 for the one company do the craziest things throughout your only train and then get into the stock round you'll be like guess who's priority deal yeah You're just <laughs> with no train and there's only 1100 dollar trains to buy which i've never seen but i'd love to yeah. see it i as long yeah. as it doesn't happen to me <laughs> but yeah. glory but um yeah, it, it, overall, uh, I think um, I just I just have had a great time with this this game. And I before I played it, I would have thought eighteen sixty was my favorite of the bunch. But I think eighteen Max might be um, at the top of my list right now, just because it's still got the edge. Eighteen sixty, I think, might be the nicer version of um, of those games because it's impossible for you to go bankrupt. I think. Yeah. Uh, and it it it's still a, a fun game. There's still That's a lot one of where stuff. you're not allowed to actually pay in, right? Exactly. So you can't buy trains using your own cash, and it has this they, weird insolvency thing where insolvency it takes half the money. Yeah, yeah that's cute. So it it basically I th- and John disagreed, but I think the more I've read about it, the more I've thought about it, is that 1860 is a game about running good companies until they're not, and then basically selling, putting them onto the open market where they're letting the government run them for you until they get healthy again, and then you hop back in and let them do their thing because 
you just take the capital and run. So it's it's right about running good companies. Better until they're not. bailouts. Bailouts, yeah. Whereas eighteen, they loan you a train, and then you never have to pay them back. You never have to pay them back. You're taking fifty percent, and you're getting the best train available. Which that's the part that that gets you. It's not like that you get a basic Literally, three train or five train. Yeah. So and you just move on to another one. You take your capital. So you divest. Not only do, are you, I'm, we're getting off track here. Ha! Pun intended. <laughs> but you're also heard. That's something that I think we still have to wrap our heads around is that the 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 dumping of shares of a company. If you can sell a bunch of shares for somebody else, you hurt not only. Like you're you're maximizing your profit and you're hurting everyone else's profit. And depending on how exposed they are, how much capital they have, and maybe how many certificates they've got, they might not even be able to get them off the open market. So that stock's not going to move, yeah. or it's just going to gradually make its way right. So I like tighter certificate limits too. That feels a little. Um, I was I'm, thinking about our game, and I think realized I could have just you know like sold a purple shower and got that blue thing off the ground. Yeah, I was. I kept thinking you were going to do that, and I was like, oh. I don't know why. Anyway, it's easy to forget. Easy hey, to forget. Made it for an exciting finish. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. So, uh, like Joel was saying, it's uh, the game came down to him and Y were just invested in the company. I was just pumping money out, and uh, at the end of the day. It came down to the closest I've ever seen any of these games before. And it was a $10 difference between uh, Joel and Y. And Joel came out ahead with his uh, um, in the end. And it was just crazy to see. And uh, it was definitely a nail biter in the sense of like, this is going to go either way. No, no clue on what's happening here, except for the fact that you could see exactly the <laughs> with through 18xx.games the the total value of everyone's shares and cash on hand. So, yeah. I did want to mention. I don't know how much time we have. Uh, we've got about uh, two minutes. Okay, I did want to mention quickly the optional variants because the one optional variant that we used was great, I think, but like, you know, maybe you might not like it, but laying down an extra yellow track just to get sure. everybody going at the beginning was kind of fun. And the and the minor companies also help that. If you've got a minor company in your area, it's also allowed to lay track, which which you could use for it your meeting. It speeds up the beginning, the boring parts. Yeah, exactly. And then the other one, uh, Copper Canyon, the private that has Copper Canyon, which was yeah. super important in the north, which like I didn't interact with at all. Yeah. Um, there's a mod in that you any company that wants to can can purchase that for up to face value immediately. Mm -hmm. uh, and it can't be blocked by its owner. Oh, so they can just pay like you you have no choice. They just take it from you. Yeah, exactly. And and maybe that's kind of mean for the person that bought it. They don't get much income from it, but maybe you have to pay 150%. You can do whatever you want, right? But I think that's an interesting variant because I could see a lot of like high-level players keeping copper the Copper Canyon company away the from the people yeah. in the north and just saying, you know what, that's never getting laid. Yeah. It's I did lay it, and, I, and looking back, I don't know if there was a real super purpose for it because I didn't really go that way ever. I think um, it's kind of a key through the mountains. Yeah. I I, sh I think I should have like if I could have withheld on that purchase for the not that the, I really felt hurt with the Chihuahua company for cash, but anyway, uh, Chihuahua, Chihuahua. Cool. So hopefully we get to play it again soon, and uh, I highly recommend it. And I think Joel, based on our conversation, yeah. I'm going to go on a limb and say you enjoyed it as well. Everyone's super enthusiastic, and also 18xx.games, massive help. Sign up. It's free. You can, if you don't know what you're doing, there's a little tutorial to show you stuff. 
but play with new people or play with somebody like us and we'll, we'll, we'll you do own the game. Pardon me. You do own the game. Yes, that's right. So we're not, we're not stealing anything. Well, I think they, they have a little licensing agreement with these guys too. I don't think that, cause it says right here, like it thanks the, uh, uh, all board games, GMT, Golden Spike, Grand Trunk, Seahorse, blah, 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 blah. So, Mark Derrick. Good um, job, Mark. All right. On that note, uh, thank you for listening. And uh, I'm Jack. I'm Joel. And stay safe and keep your uh, dial locked on CFRU. Have a good day.